You're listening to Moving Forward with Dr. Lynn Swanner. Today's podcast is part of the Flourishing Leaders series, where we explore ways to transform your school community. This podcast is a production of the Association of Christian Schools International. Listen and learn more about flourishing at blog.acsi.org. Well, today I'm excited to have the opportunity to talk with Sean Schatt, who is an assistant professor of education at Redeemer University in Ancaster, Ontario, which is located in Canada. And before coming to Redeemer, Sean spent 18 years as a classroom teacher and educational leader. And we are looking today at the construct of caring environment in the flourishing schools research. And just to briefly share the definition for that, from the perspective of school graduates, teachers were kind, students felt included in class, and students were protected from bullying. And today, I'm glad to have Sean on this podcast to talk specifically about that component of teachers being kind. So this idea of caring well for students, which sounds simple, but Sean will be sharing his great research, which he's also done through our ACSI blog uh, and other outlets. And what struck me about your work, Sean, is that teachers being kind is, in fact, not very simple. Uh, There's a lot to it, especially when we talk about educational care. And so I'm really looking forward to unpacking that in this podcast. So welcome, Sean. And I'd love to start with a question. Uh, Can you share a little bit about your research in this area and how you might define and describe educational care? Lynn, I thank you for the opportunity. It's it's good to be here and I'm excited to to contribute to this. And I really appreciate your introduction because one of the things that kind of caught me by surprise, even though I knew it going in, was just how messy and complex the concept of care is. And I'll unpack it further, but kind of the key takeaway from my research, and I think intuitively it makes sense, and yet instinctively it doesn't, if you can make that that, that tease apart, is that most teachers get into teaching because of their desire to communicate care to their students. Most teachers have caring intentions. Most teachers have actions that I would call caring actions or or caring behaviors that are their intention to to enact the care that they intended. And yet there seems to be a disconnect between their intentions and their actions on the one side and the perceptions and experiences of some of their students, not all of their students. Some just they realize what the teacher is trying to do and they accept the care and they respond to it. But that tension in between, again, I, I often distinguish between the offering of care, which includes the intentions and the actions. And then the successful communication of care, which adds the student's response. So they perceive the care, they experience the care, they complete the care to use the language of the literature. And so that's kind of in a a nutshell. And that's an important piece when I've shared my research and writing, but particularly in conversations with teachers and in my work at Redeemer uh, with in-service teacher candidates who are actually really excited about what they hear and then they see it lived out in their practicum placements. And it's, uh, yeah, there's some important dialogue going on here and I really appreciate the opportunity to share here. So like you said in the introduction, I worked as a classroom teacher and an educational leader in Christian schools for 18 years. And as my career unfolded, it became very clear to me that a, that a positive teacher-student relationship made a huge difference. In fact, I was often taken aback by how big of a difference it could make. Like it literally would, could change the world for some of my students. And, and that was amazing. Again, one of the things that emerged very quickly is that tension between actions and intentions from teachers and student perceptions and experiences. And some of the early studies were looking at talking to teachers about how they communicated care. Like, what do you do to communicate care? And, and the studies kind of produce lists of teacher caring behaviors. But what they realized is they were looking at the wrong people. What they should have been doing is talking to the students about what their teachers did that was effective because in the end, it was the student's perception 
that was the definer about whether or not care actually occurred or was successfully communicated. Yeah, no, I'd love to, you know, I know in, in the blog post that that will be coming out for ACSI, you know, you talk about some of the, I don't know if you would use the term disconnect, uh, but you talk about some, some strategies, you know, for teachers, you talk about those who are seeking to care and the things they need to attend to and what we've learned about, about students. I'm wondering if you can get into from your research and also just as an educator of, of pre-service teachers, you know, how you talk about this with them. What are the things that they, they can do well that they ought to attend to uh, to ensure that there is, I love the term complete the care, that that care is actually complete. It's not that they're sending out a signal and then it just it just gets cut off, but it, the, the student is actually receiving. And, and I think you even talked a little bit about reciprocating. So I built my research on two theoretical foundations. One is called care theory and, and rests heavily on the work of Nell Noddings. And without going into a lot of detail, there were three key things, and you've already touched on one of them in your question. The first is Nodding suggests, or the care theory literature suggests, that every human being has two care needs, the need to be cared for by others and the need to care for others. And for me, that was such a rich, rich piece because it also, for, for me, resonated with my biblical understanding of the love mandate that God made us to love others and to be loved by others in return. And there's something really profound in seeing the literature also land in a very similar foundation. So it gave me a place to start. And again, you know, for teachers and for my student teachers too, just to be reminded of that, that, that care is something that's human. We need to be cared for by others, but even those students who look like they're socially uncomfortable or, or want to be lonely, you know, some people, some students will choose that. They're still wired to want to care for others. And I think that's such an important piece to launch from too. The second key element is that care is a relationship. It's a reciprocal relation. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, an equal relationship in terms of some of the, the power dynamics that can go on in relationships, but to recognize that there are two parties in the relationship is essential. And then the perhaps the most controversial part of it, Lynn, and you, you've named it already, is, is the concept of completion. That our offered care, our intended care, doesn't really become successfully communicated until the person we're trying to communicate care to recognizes and responds and of course the literature is full of the question so what is what qualifies as a response is it a smile is it a nod uh, is it direct words like i can tell you're caring for me probably most commonly it's it's it manifests as a change in behavior right and that behavioral change indicates to anyone who's watching that they heard what you said they saw what you were offering and they've responded to it in their actions and so that's a, that's a key piece along the way. When, when educational care is communicated, it's communicated in, in three different levels. The first one I call personal care. So the teacher uh, actions that communicate that the teacher cares for the student as a person. The second is pedagogical care, teacher actions that communicate that the teacher cares for the student as a learner. And interpersonal care, teacher actions that communicate that the teacher cares for the student as a member of the classroom community. It's interesting that when you read your construct at the beginning, there's a lot of resonance there with those three dimensions. But these came pounding through the data. And the, the cool part for me was that the personal care, so I care for you as a human being, a living, breathing human being, and pedagogical care, I care for you as a learner. Those are somewhat present in the literature already. But the third one, the third dimension, looking at interpersonal care, which really focuses on belonging needs and safety needs and that you are part of this community that we're in together. It's not as present in the literature. And yet I would say probably three quarters of the data 
fit in that category. Each student has their own unique trajectory of what they need from their teacher. And it will involve all three of them, but one of them is likely to be primary. Some students need to feel safe before they're going to experience care from you. Others need to know that you're going to teach them well. And others need to know that they're known, right? that you see them as a human being and that you value them and you want to get to know them and you want to know their interests and their skills and draw on that in your teaching and so on. And then the final piece is uh, the, the part that I, sp I spelled out more in the blog post, and that is specifically what I call the six stages of the successful communication of educational care, which pulls together a lot of the stuff we've already touched on. One of the first things that I will say to people is that teachers intend to care. We know that. I mean, teachers, most, if not all of the teachers that I've met are good people with good hearts and good intentions. There aren't too many that I've met that should not have been in education for sure, or were act actively, you know, playing out power, power games in their work, or maybe even, you know, getting some sort of catharsis for how they were mistreated by their teachers. But that is a rare thing. Most teachers intend to communicate care, and, but that disconnect is a, is a very, very real piece. And so one of the things that I, that I say right away is it's very important that we prioritize and build positive relationships in our, in our communities. And those need to be rooted in trust and care. And so that's a, a generic starting point, but it's an essential one, right? That everything that we do in school is touched or influenced by relationship. And we need to just be transparent and, and very reflective about that. And some of the drawing and some of the more recent literature in education too, we need to actively support student autonomy, student agency, student self-efficacy and student self-regulation because that's what it means to be human. And we need to create spaces to do that. And sometimes schools don't. There are some classrooms that will constrain that, especially when teachers believe that it's their job to control their students' behavior as opposed to equipping their students and providing opportunities for their students to learn to control their own and to recognize that their actions have consequences for others. And it's an important part of learning and it goes that extends far beyond school. Another important thing that I say to my students, and I love saying it to, to in-service teachers as well, is we need to believe that our students are amazing and that they're capable of doing amazing, even jaw-dropping things. Sometimes we just need to kind of get out of the way and create the space for them to do that. And, and when they trust us and when they feel safe and that they belong in the classroom, oh my goodness, the amazing things that can happen. Literally, I don't know how much of my career I spent with my jaw on the ground, just going, this is amazing. My students are amazing. And I may have had something to do with some of the opportunities that I presented to them, but it was mostly them. And that's an important piece to keep tucking away. Which means we need to be very intentional and transparent about our intentions and our actions. We often talk about overteaching, and when it comes to the communication of care, that is a key piece that we keep saying, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. This is why it matters. I still remember a couple of breakthroughs I had with some of the students who really wondered, you know, your expectations are so high. Do you really care? Eventually, they came to a point where they had to either call me a liar or recognize that I meant what I was saying. And that overteaching, and keep constantly explaining, this is what they started, it was almost like a refrain they could sing with me at a certain point because they knew, okay, this is what he means. It doesn't always feel that way, but also prioritizing and paying attention to student perceptions and student experiences. I mean, that may be the biggest takeaway from the research itself. And that is that in the end, regardless of, here's the line I use, Lynn, and it's an important one. Teacher intentions and teacher caring actions are necessary, but insufficient it turns on the response and perceptions of the students. And, and as, as teachers and as educational leaders, we need to keep telling ourselves that. You know, our intentions are good, but our impact is what matters. And our impact is determined by the relationship, by the reciprocity between us and in our interactions. When I thought I was done my research, 
I had completed my actual study and I had this nice list of three dimensions and 13 elements, but I realized, and this is where I got kind of nervous and it, again, cost me another year in my research because I thought I was done. And then I realized, you know what? I have just made another nice list of what teachers can do to communicate educational care. Those lists have been around. There's other good ones that came out, especially in the 90s and the early 2000s. There was some really good empirical research that generated lists of teacher caring actions and teacher caring behaviors. And mine was another one. But the problem was that disconnect. And I realized, okay, I need I need a second theoretical explanation that moves past my list and other lists, which I which really describe the offering of care, and then pull in that concept of completion, moving past it to successful communication. So here are the six stages. And I, again, this comes out in the blog post as well. So it all starts with those two care needs that I talked about. The, the student and the specific ones that matter for teaching, and there's other relationships too. The student needs to be cared for, and the teacher needs to care for their students. We can throw the reciprocal piece in there as well, but for now, those two are, are the starting point. From that, we move on to stage two, teacher caring intentions, where the teacher perceives self as caring, and has the commitment on, on, in their mind, their heart, their brain, that I want to care for my students. So that's stage two, the commitment to action, those intentions. Then that will manifest in the third stage, which is the teacher caring behaviors. And again, we could talk in other people's lists, but I, I continue to use my, my three. We care for students as human beings, we care for them as learners, and we care for them as members of the classroom community. And there are actions we take to do that. To be clear, many studies stop there. We've got our list, we know what we need to do. Stage four in my study then turns that corner away from the teacher and looks at the student's response. And again, was our communication of care, our offering of care, was it responded to? And so I talk again about perceptions. Does the student recognize the care that was offered? Do they accept the care that was offered? And then do they respond in you know, many, many different ways of responding? But there's that key transition for me. Uh, the student perceives self as cared for and it changes everything. Then we turn the corner and we get into what I call the establishment of a caring teacher-student relationship. There's some real neat research around teacher-student relationships that resonates here. Uh, but once that happens, the relationship qualitatively changes. All of a sudden, the teacher is a trusted sounding board. Those criticisms that we were offered before that used to fall in deaf ears, are now heard with new ears because we realize we're in relationship together. And I believe you, and I know that you have my best interests at heart. You're not trying to get me, you're not trying to bring me down, you're trying to lift me up. You're trying to be part of part of my growth and my development. And then we get, and we haven't talked about this yet, but uh, it's worth digging into. Then we get the outcomes, the research affirmed outcomes of educational care. And it's a, it's a fascinating list. I'm not gonna read it all, but again, people should dig into it. We know that when educational care is communicated, at-risk students benefit. We know that. We also know that students themselves become more caring to others. Those two by themselves, worthwhile. But the research goes further. We know that care has a marked positive causal, a causal impact on student motivation, student engagement, student attendance, and student preparedness. All foundational elements of successful education. And while we can't say causal, we know there's a correlated relation, a correlation between the successful communication of care and student achievement. Can't say causal, but the fact that there's correlation already tells us there's something significant going on there. And if you if I were to leave my full presentation, I actually have a slide, Lynn, with probably about 50 study results of just all the amazing things that happen when a, a caring teacher-student relationship is in play. An unbelievable list. All of these things that we really want schools to do, 
are connected to care. Thank you so much for taking your time and being with us, helping us to unpack this. And again, you know, it's just, I think we all think we care and we're often focused on our, our own actions and, and knowing our own heart. And I think this really does just complete the picture and hopefully will inspire a lot of teachers and leaders to dig deeper into these various elements. So thank you so much again, Sean. Lynn, you're very welcome. And thank you for the opportunity. It's, uh, it's an honor to do. And for our listeners, thanks for joining us today as well. Please be sure to check the notes on this podcast for additional resources and references related to today's conversation. Podcast notes can always be found on the ACSI blog at blog.acsi.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the blog again at blog.acsi.org, or you can also subscribe on iTunes. While you're there, rate or review the show and spread the word on social media. Thanks for all that you do to move Christian education forward. 